Welcome to the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You may attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-520-80640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Dina was recorded on January 4th, 2024. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is Dina. I go by D or Dina. doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> uh, it just, I will answer to either. Uh, I like them both fine. Um, so I am an adult child of chaos and dysfunction. That's probably the most important thing you'll know about me because that's the thing we have in common, right? Um, so that chaos and dysfunction, some of it had to do with alcoholism. Some of it had to do with poverty. Some of it had to do with mental illness. Some of it had to do with being um, my, my mother was the grandchild of immigrants who came to this country with nothing, escaping war. So um, there was all of that, right? Uh, so that is how I, um, somebody's looking to get in, just so you know. <laughs> uh, so that was uh that that all is part of my family tree history um my uh, i realized in going over my family tree that my grandmother was the first of nine uh born to immigrants who escaped uh italy during world war one and uh then my mother was born during world war two so you know, that is that is the life that I was born into. Uh, my mother's uh, father died when she was only five, and my grandmother was pregnant with her second child. Back then, you did not, uh, you didn't remarry. Um, so it was uh, difficult, and there was no help. A lot of people don't may not know that. There was a time in this country when there was no help. So um my grandmother went off to work and she left her two daughters in the care of her sister and her brother-in-law her her brother-in-law was a drunk actually they were both pretty good at drinking so um that does make me my mother drank she drank alcoholically um but i am um I didn't always see it, you know, it wasn't one of those things. I, I didn't get it. Like she just wasn't, she just wasn't right. <laughs> I say, uh, so what recovery has done for me is I am way less harsh on her than I would have been. Um, there was a time in my life where I would tell my story for effect because I wanted you to feel bad for me because I was making excuses for my bad behavior. Because I wasn't behaving right. And um, I didn't know how to behave right. But I had excuses. Because if you had my childhood, you'd behave like me too. Um, so I don't really do that anymore. Thank God. Um, today, like I know that I'm responsible for my behavior. And I'm, you know, and I'm so grateful to the adult children of chaos, dysfunction, and alcoholism who came before me, who wrote some stuff down, 
um, so that I could uh, have this program to come to um, when I was uh, old enough to do it right. <laughs> and I'm going to say that, you know, because I, I was trying to do this work a long time ago, but this work didn't always exist the way it does today. So way back in way back land, um, I had no idea what was wrong with me. Because when I was 18, if you had told me that I was hatched out of an egg like Mork, from Mork and Mindy, I would have been like, okay, that sounds about right. Because I didn't remember anything. I had thoroughly and completely blocked out most of my childhood experiences. Um, and that worked for me for a little bit. And then, of course, you know, you get into your, I got into my uh, early 20s and I needed to um, step out into the world. Uh, not like you have much choice, right? Here you are. Here, here, here we come. Like a slingshot. You get, some people get launched. I got flung, flung out the door. I escaped. Anyway, um, the, the irony is I remember when I was, now I remember that when I was real young, I couldn't wait to, you know, turn 18 so I could get out. But unfortunately what happened was when I turned 18 I couldn't remember that I wanted to get out and then um I had this thing happen when I was in my early 20s I met somebody and I fell in love doesn't that sound great that sounds fantastic doesn't it well let me tell you it was not fantastic it freaked me out because what I've discovered about feelings is they're like a faucet see the on or it's off not a drip tap. You either feel feelings or you don't. And you got to make a choice. Do I want to feel feelings and be able to deal with them and be good with them? Or I want them off. Kind of look at it like um, there was some vampire show a while ago. And uh, if you made the choice to really dig into being a vampire and eating blood and all that stuff, you had to shut your feelings off. So it was a choice. And I I don't know, I guess at some point in my life, I had made that choice and I just shut the feelings off and off I went into the world until this thing happened to me. And all of a sudden it was like somebody took a can opener, you know, or a brazier knife and just slid open my chest and out popped all of this stuff. I started having flashbacks. I started remembering stuff. I all of a sudden I became I went from being Casanova I got this. I I got the world. I, I knew more at 20 than I, I've ever known since. I had the world by the balls. I could do anything. And then all of a sudden, nothing. I'm like completely helpless. Um, and uh, And I realized I needed help. So what did I do like a good uh, child of the 80s? I re-traumatized myself. So not what I suggest. Um, I went out and I um, I did this little program called Dianetics, which sounded great. It was going to unlock all your memories. So all these hidden memories inside your brain that were controlling you wouldn't control you anymore. And that was going to be fabulous. And um, uh, I did that and I, I remembered. But it wasn't like I remembered emotionally. It was more like I was watching a movie. And it was like, oh, okay, that's why I'm so messed up. Because all this stuff happened. And you know what I did? Is I just shut the door on it. And I was like, now, all right, so now these hidden memories aren't going to control me. I know why I'm messed up. And I'm not going to be messed up anymore. And off into the world I go, right? 
yeah, until uh, things got real. And every time things would get real, I, I, I'd get, um, I'd get stuck. So what did I do is I, uh, I got myself into a relationship. Um, and I remember even then I would go into, uh, I would go to Walden's books and uh, look for help. Uh, and uh, there wasn't a lot of help back then. <laughs> there certainly wasn't uh, ACA books sitting on the shelves. And uh, there certainly wasn't um, the newer book, which is the Loving Parent Guide book, which I will leave plenty of time for. Although my timing, somebody's going to, I don't know what happened. My clock stopped when the other person put their clock on. So my timing's messed up. So somebody uh, keep an eye on me. Anyway, um, you know, I would, I would think, and I would always think this is the one, this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm going to fix this one thing and then phew, I'm going to go for it. Cause I always had that go for it attitude. And then, um, I, my mother died um in 2003 and um I hadn't had a drink at that point in 13 years and I just quit on a dime I never went to AA or any 12-step I just stopped drinking and I, I stayed stopped for 13 years and then my mother passed away and I thought that would be a great time to pick up drinking again but I never really understood that I was an alcoholic from the get-go I mean, when I drank, I always drank alcoholically. So oh, picking up uh, again, was it a good idea? I drank for eight years and I thank God every day that I drank myself into 12-step recovery. Uh, when I was two years sober, I got into ACA because uh, there was a very nice fellow in the, in the other rooms who said, you know, the thing is you're talking about sounds like you, you, you might want to go to uh ACA and like a good ACA it took me a really long time <laughs> to take that suggestion because let's face it we don't take suggestions well uh so um finally I had one last like codependent relationship that ended um and I was like I just don't want to do this again so I read codependent no more and you're not crazy you're codependent and at the end of both of those books, they basically said, if you're codependent and you're reading this book because you're codependent, you probably should go to ACA because you have childhood trauma that you need to deal with. And um, all right, hit me over the head. So I came into ACA to, after reading those books, to fix my relationships my so I could be able to have a relationship, right? But I never really understood that I didn't have a relationship with myself fully. Um, I, when I first got into the room, so if you're new, I'm going to tell you, like, I didn't always talk the way I talk now. When I first came into these rooms, um, so I did the steps in the other program. I There was a time I studied something called Kabbalah, which is ancient Jewish mysticism. I thought I just was so smart. I was too smart for it. You know, I did the steps. I did AWOLs. You know, I wrote everything down. I did all that work. And I, I did not have that spiritual experience that, you know, everybody, you're supposed to have that psychic change that makes you basically not want to drink. For me, the very first drink I picked up was medicine, you know, but that wasn't the only medicine. I could use booze, food, people, um, 
sex is lovely, drama, you know, just about anything to get outside of my own life. Uh, so I do, I would, you know, I could go to any 12-step meeting and be like, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, uh, it all applied. Because it was all me trying to escape the one thing I couldn't escape. And that was me. Um, so I was, uh, I, I got into, when I saw, when I first got into ACA, and I heard other people talking about their childhood or just how they felt like on a inner deeper level. I was like, Ooh, what is happening? I didn't know what was happening, but I, I knew it felt right. Like I knew my, my inner, it stirred stuff in me. Um, so I've been in doing the ACA program for about 10 years now. Um, and we've only had the loving parent guidebook for the last two. So I've had the pleasure of reading the big red book many, 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 many times because <laughs> that was what we did. We read the book over and over and over again. And it's a wonderful book. Um, but there is only one chapter in that book that is talks about the solutions, which is to become your own loving parent. Um, and it's a it's a it's a very heavy read. You know, um, we read it over and over again. And it's uh I used to used to say that it was, you know, it was like the college level of the 12 step. And that's great, except that, you know, my inner child is reading, wants to read at the level of a five-year-old. You know, I don't, I don't, yes, I can read at college level, but I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, so I knew that what was happening, you know, in the rooms, it felt right. These were people who understood what I was going through. Um, I never really, um, I never really, uh, you know, I went through the yellow workbook. But, and even in the Red Book, there are things about the way they say about doing the steps. There's like almost this idea that you're going to write down every traumatic thing that happened to you in childhood. And you're going to release it and it's all going to be okay. And that is not, that was not, that's also not my experience. If I was going to write down every traumatic thing that happened in my childhood, I'd still be writing. I would have never gotten past that step. I just like get lost in that writing. Uh, for me, that's not how it happened. Um, and uh, so, uh, and, and if you get it, when we get more into the Loving Parent Guidebook, it, it really helps explain that. For me, it was really organic. I'd be sitting there in a meeting and someone would say something and all of a sudden, I'm, a, I'm what you call a visual. Um, so, some people are audio. Everybody's different in how they have memories come back to them. So I would have these like flashes of images that were uh, of like apartments that I remember us living in. And and then it would be like a shadow. It was like a shadow. And I would come home and I would I would write to that shadow. I'd be like, are, are you, you know, are you, are you, what are you trying to tell me? You know, and I would go over, go over that. Uh, what what year was that? How old was I? What house was that in? Um, and um, you know, it, I realized that was how my inners started to come to me, come more to the surface. You know, and they were scared of me because again, 
not only was I traumatized as a child enough that I would want to shut down the memories, but when I saw the memories, I re-traumatized myself by going, yeah, okay, that happened to you. Huff it up. <laughs> now let's go out and conquer the world because that's what we're supposed to do. Let's go out and make a lot of money and buy a couple houses. and Yeah, so uh, I was just as uh, abusive, if not more so, to my inners than um, the people who raised me. And the only excuse I have is that they raised me. Uh, they raised me to be just like them. Um, and because that is what happens you know, when we're children, we 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 map the world around us. We come in with these blank brains and we have zero data in there. And we watch and we look at these people with amazement and wonder. And we're like, aren't they cool? And they're wonderful. And we just start mapping. And their way is the right way, even if it's really wrong. And they're all cool and wonderful and big and bright. And they're our higher powers. And that's how we learn how to do stuff. And that gets into our head. And they must be right and I must be wrong. Because I'm not comfortable here. I don't like this. I don't like the way they're treating me. I, I, I don't like it at all. But they're, they're in charge. They were here before me. So they must know what they're doing. And my inners should shut the F up because... You know, we're going to get in trouble. We can't, you know, go against what they're saying. And, um, you know, we get real quiet. And then, uh, you know, stuff happens. You know, I, I think it's not just the stuff that happens. It's also the not having anybody to talk to about the stuff that happens. You know, there's that, that added trauma. And they say, you know, post-traumatic stress is all you have to do is having a traumatic experience that you don't deal with it within six months you know i'm I, you know i got i got to this program i'm looking at stuff that happened 30 40 years ago right so it's uh it's uh deep deep engraved in there and that you know i didn't have it nobody cared uh you know stuff happened to me in the house stuff happened to me outside of the house nobody cared <laughs> whatever it's just really nobody cared, you know, and that was a mantra in my brain for a long time. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Well, today I care. And that's the only thing that mattered. Um, I was in this program for a, lo a long time and I was sad that I could ask people what the solution was. And they wouldn't be able to tell you. But we read it at every meeting. What is the solution? The solution is to become your own loving parent. Well, how do you do that? That's a good question. Because for a long time, we only had one chapter in our book that talked about that solution. And it kind of was vague, right? Um, so, you know, I worked the program for a long time, the best that I could. Um, I got a lot of work done. Um, but I was still not. I was still not quite feeling what I knew was the potential was. Um, I think we all know inherently what our potential is, right? You know, we all have that feeling inside that there's something in there. And uh, so two years and two months ago, when the Loving Parent Guidebook came out, um, I, Im I immediately was like, I read it. 
on my own the first time through and i was like oh yeah this is it this is this is this is this is the work this is the step-by-step -step guide on how to become your own loving parent um i'm not getting any commission on the book but i highly recommend it it is amazing and the fact that it's written by you know by uh the fellowship which means people who have overcome the effects um of childhood trauma um uh for people who are trying to overcome the effects of childhood trauma that's i think and it's written and it's written in a language that is gentle you know, there's a lot of gentleness in that book. So two two years, two months ago, when the book first came out, um, I got together with a group and Thursday night, we just tonight, I almost forgot that I was coming here, but tonight was the night we actually finally finished the book. <laughs> um, I'm also doing that book on a Sunday group at my house. And um, we do what I call uh, it, kind of kamikaze style in the morning meeting, um, our morning open meeting, which is um, what we do is uh, we do the daily meditation, the reflection um, with the passage in the big red book. And then I find something that is can go along with that that's kind of helpful in the loving parent guidebook so we call it a trilogy literature meeting it's been amazing we've been doing that for about a year now in that group i've seen people now i've seen people who have come to aca for years and not make any progress but i've seen people but because we're using that book um i've seen people have i've seen miracles in less than six months it's been amazing for my own self you know, I finally, um, and because we we also at the end of the meeting, we do the loving, there's a meditation where you check in with yourself and you, uh, it's quick, it takes five minutes, but you check in with your inners and, um, but doing that every, every day has been miraculous for me um, because, uh, you know, there were things and I, and I know I'm not getting too deep in the woods with the trauma because let's face it, we all we know what tra childhood trauma looks like. It's not pretty. I don't need to go there. I'm going to stay focused on the healing. Um, but one of the things for me, which I didn't realize, was my inner child and my inner teen hated each other. <laughs> Holy crap. And, you know, I never thought about an inner teen. Um, until I read it in that book. So, you know, they talk about a lot. We talk a lot about the inner child, but the inner teen, whoa, that's like a whole other nutshell <laughs> to crack open. And then realizing that they were fighting, you know. And for me, where was the loving parent? Where's the loving? Well, she's snapping. Because that's what, that's what mommies do when kids fight. Mommy, mommy takes a couple pills and goes to sleep. It lets the kids duke it out, right? So so that was what was happening inside of me my whole life. Because why? Because that's what I was modeled. M me and my brother would fight, and my mother would just turn the volume down. She heard nothing. You know, so that's that's the parenting. That's how I learned. That, that was what I learned, how I learned to be a parent. 
what do you do? The, 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 so my inner child's gullible and my inner teen's a badass. And next thing you know, they're at each other like animals. And all I want to do is go to sleep. Let me have a big bowl of pasta. <laughs> Smoke a joint. Ah, I don't want to hear it either, you know. So I learned that <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> so my loving parent has had to step up and uh, become, well, my whatever parent, my lackadaisical parent has, has you know, you say, there's words in our literature that are interesting, right? The word become. There's a clue there, right? There's a clue. All right, what is that clue? That means you're not something, right? And you're going to have a transformation and you're going to become something. That doesn't mean you're going to get poltergeisted and some outside force is going to come inside of you and take over your brain. No, you're going to become your own loving parent. Am I going to become your loving parent? Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. Don't want the job. I barely want to be my own loving parent. I can tell you. It's a lot. I'm a lot of work. The last thing I can do is take on more kids. <laughs> Not to mention we're difficult. Um, now when a fellow traveler comes with me to me with their drama, I, I just ask them, where's your loving parent? Let's find her. Because they're the one who can help you. I can't. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's a whole lot of stuff going on. You got to make a choice. So where's your loving parent? You know, if they're sleeping, we need to wake her up. Give her some coffee and tell her she needs to get in the driver's seat. Because, you know, we can't sleep on the job. This is, this is our, this is, uh, you know, this isn't a, uh, not a show. You know, we're not putting on a show for other people. We're living our life. You know, and 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 we're hopefully going to, you know, I, my goal isn't like I want to get to the other when I get to the other side, I want all my parts with me. You know, I don't want to have to come back here and reconcile this stuff again in the next life. I want to make sure when I leave here, we go together and we're not fighting. You know, this isn't uh, it's not a dress rehearsal. This is it for me. You know, I, you know, I, I don't really want to. I mean. I mean, I, I felt like I've been here before. I don't want to have to come back because I have to come back. I want to come back because I want to come back if I come back, you know. And I know, uh, you know, I got real serious about this work because 12 years ago, I was told I had a mass on my pancreas the size of a melon. And uh, I had a 5% survival rate. And all I could think was, ooh, I can't meet God like this. <laughs> He's going to know. <laughs> I ain't done nothing on the list he gave me. You know, he had this whole, all this list of stuff he wanted me to do. And I have not checked a single box. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I get down on my knees and I was like, I'll do anything. And, the, you know, the only thing he wanted me to do was be honest. And when I started getting honest about who I am in my life, I started getting better. You know, and that is, that is, uh, that's a big part of this process. You know, if you're here, you know, you got childhood trauma, you come from a family of alcoholism and dysfunction, just own it. You know, it is what it is. You know, I, I've talked to people straight up and you're here, you're in the meeting. I'm like, da, da, da. And they're like, no, no, I'm good. Well, the 
the the meetings for the people who are good are, are not here. Like we're here because we're not fucking good. Like I don't come to ACA because I'm like this, you know, uh, the Dalai Lama, and I have this all this wisdom I want to share with you. You know, I'm here because I had a fucked up childhood. I, you know, I had a my a, you know young adult life. I made a lot of mistakes because. I was acting at five years old. I decided I was 35. And at 45, I was still five years old acting like I was 35. You know, and all of a sudden I realized, you know, it, it's not cute anymore. I'm a five-year-old pretending to be an adult. Maybe I should learn how to be an adult. In recovery, I went back to school. I got a couple of degrees. Uh, you know, there are things I found out. If you go to school every day and you actually read the material and listen to the professor and take the test, they give you good grades. <laughs> and then they give you these certificates that say that you're like, you know something. Who knew? You know, who knew? I I was faking my, my I faked my way in through, through everything, you know. And so today I try not to live like that. Today, I try to live honest. You know, if it comes up, I, you know, sometimes it's awkward. People start talking about their families and, you know, Christmas. I, I but I don't also don't torture myself. Like my family, it is what it is. You know, my mother and father were the Bonnie and Clyde of the of Rhode Island. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. You know, I, I don't necessarily like tell everybody, but I don't, you know, I don't put myself. Like I didn't, I don't watch the stupid Hallmark movies and make myself feel bad. Like I don't need to compare my life to that bullshit. I don't know how, who's who's living that life anyway. It doesn't matter. You know, my life was my life. I'm perfectly happy here. I got my big giant fish who looks like a dragon. I got my dogs uh, that I that I drag around with me everywhere. They they love it. You know, I'm good. You know, this is my life. I'm good. I. You know, I, I have some health issues. I, I deal with them. Ah, you know, and, and I don't pretend with that either anymore. You know, I, I'm not Superman. And I don't, listen, I, some people will be like, oh, you're rude. I, no, I'm not jumping into your life and helping you with your problems. People say, oh, how did you? And, I, and they come and I take out the book. And I'm like, let's read chapter three. And they're like, really? I say, yup. Because I don't know, I don't know what you need. It sounds like you're having a problem with this or that. So we'll just look it up in the book. Because, you know, I, I don't do that. I don't want to take responsibility. When I was young, I'll tell you, my um, my mother was a non-compliant diabetic from when I was born, okay? Which messed up my health because she had diabetes big time. And so I was 11 pounds and messed up my health. And when I was 11 years old, she she went into a, a diabetic coma, almost. And uh, I remember going to visit her in the hospital, and they're just trying to show me. Eleven years old. Now these are doctors. Like, okay, what are you people all out of your mind? Showing me how to give her insulin because she didn't want to give it to herself. Who does that? You know, I wasn't responsible for her diabetes. They're telling me I have to tell her to eat right. Who the hell is going to tell me to eat right? You know, and it was like so. It wasn't just. This was like a, 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 so I thought, oh, this is my job now. At 11 years old, I became the, the I put the hero cape on and I'm going to save my mother from diabetes. But nobody told me what I really I was, I was supposed to save her from herself, you know. 
I spent my whole life trying to save my mother from herself, you know, and uh, she still died miserable. And I feel bad. I wish she had had this. I wish she would able, well, you know, these programs weren't available then. You know, that's the other thing. Like, if you started out now, you, you're lucky. Because <laughs> people who came before you wrote some shit down. And they wrote down details. Details. This that loving parent guidebook is every page of beautifully written details on how to recapture that thing that you lost in childhood. That that magic, that energy, that vibrancy, that that being that you were when you were born, that was perfect. When you were came here, that spirit inside of you was perfect. When I got into this program. I used to call my spirit the thing that lived inside of me. Is that rude or what? The thing, if you're calling your inner inners the thing that lives inside of you, it's rude. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it straight up. It's rude. You know, that is the essence of your being. It's what makes you human. It's what it's what sets you apart from every other being on this planet. It makes us unique. We all have this thing inside of us that is our spirit. And it needs to be honored and cherished. You know, the, the thing that sometimes when I even when I tell the story, she gets a little mad. It's okay. We'll we'll talk about that later. She understands. I'm just trying to, I don't do that anymore. I mean, I, I sometimes I say it, but not in the way I used to. And the way I I was scared. I thought I was the only one. I, of course. You know, and back in the day, right? So I don't know if anybody can follow me on this one. Some of the books in the in the bookstores, they were way out there. I thought it was a, a I thought I was channeling some spirit from some other planet. <laughs> Come on, you all read those books. You're like, oh yeah, that's what it is. It's the voice of some no, no, no. These are all just my my inner parts and my creative mind that got shattered when I was a child because Fucked up things happened in my world, and I had nobody to talk to him about them. About them, this work is hard. It'll make you cry. It'll make you frustrated. It'll get you angry. But the work—you got to do the work, you know. And and the meetings are great. Fellowship is great, you know. This is not—I didn't get well in meetings. Okay, I got well sitting on that recliner with my laptop in my lap. Bleeding on the page. Bleeding on the page. What happened? I'm sorry. Just so I can, just so I can get the memories up, so I can dig them up, so I could remember what happened, so I could honor it. I I used to go around. Uh, all right, we're good. Tell me. So I'm gonna. I thank you. Uh, I, for a long time, I would tell the story about when things got twi really twisted for me. So when my mother first had me, she handed me to my grandmother. That was great. Grandma was awesome, okay? Grandma was old, okay? And at five years old, grandma died. Boom, gone. So do I know where grandma went? No. So I went from having this person in my life every day that I loved and adored, who loved and adored me, to being, she was just gone. Where did she go? I don't know. She's in, she's in, she's in heaven with Jesus. You know what that sounded like to me? She was in Vegas with Elvis. 
Okay? She's in Vegas with Elvis getting drunk. She left me that bitch. Okay? I'm mad. Okay? So I spent my whole life angry. And I and then then I find out, well, it's heaven and it's this place. I, I They send me to catechism class. And there's all this shit you got to do that in order to get to heaven, to go be with grandma. I had already broke all those rules. That's it. My life is over. I'm never going to see grandma because I already broke all the rules. Because if she's in heaven with Jesus, I'm screwed. So, you know, talk about, you know, so, and then other bad stuff happened. It just like compounds. So I used to tell the story about how my grandmother died. I didn't get to go to the funeral. And that's what really messed me up. So in doing this work with the Loving Parent Guidebook, we talk about different, you know, ways to find your inner child. So I realized that, you know, she, my, this part of me, this child was inconsolable. That was like, she just was not, she didn't want to hear it. She, so what I did was I had a imaginary funeral uh, in my mind's eye for grandma. I got her all dressed up in her Sunday best. I put her lipstick on. I did up her hair. I grabbed my inner child by the hand and I said, we're going to go to a funeral. What's a funeral? You'll see. We're going to go say goodbye to grandma. And uh, in my imagination, you know, in my mind's eye, we, I walked my inner child to the casket and uh, she did what, I was a wild child. She did what she, what they were probably afraid she was going to do and why they didn't bring me to the funeral. You know, and she got up in the casket with grandma and was begging her to get up. And I made sure that I was a good loving parent and I was honest with my inner child. I made sure grandma wasn't moving. I've seen dead bodies since then. I know what they look like. And uh, so we had a hell of a cry. I was out delivering my newspapers <laughs> and doing this thing and we're cry crying. And uh, and it was very cathartic. And then what happened was a couple of days later, I was writing about it. And all of a sudden, I felt this warmth. Like I felt my inner child crawl up on my lap. And put her arms around me. Like I felt it like it was absolutely 100% real. And she trusted me. Because I was honest with her. I gave her what she needed. I gave her what they couldn't have given her. My, mo my mother was so messed up after my grandmother died. She may as well have died with her. Really. It seemed kind of... It was, it was sad. It was... Uh, Today, I can look back at my mother and I have nothing but uh, compassion for her. Um, she, she she just was a very sad, uh, very sad uh, person who had zero recovery in her world. And um, but I did that for my inner child. And, and that was that was so cathartic, you know. And then later, it was later, the inner king appeared. <laughs> that was a whole other thing. They. They were fighting and I, you know, and this is what happens. You start this work, you know, if you, you start to do the digging and all of a sudden you, 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 you're going to, that key, the magic key will turn the lock and the door will open and this other magical world inside of you starts to become real and all these parts come to life and, um, it is, uh, it is worth the work. It is worth the tears. It is worth the time. And I uh, I am grateful for those who came before me, 
who did the work and wrote some shit down. And with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop a little early. How's that?